Good morning. Let's, uh, let's pray before we get started. God, we want to hear from you this morning, and we thank you so much that you uh, speak to us through your word, the Bible. Um, God, I pray that you would put away any distractions that we might have, that you would uh, guide my words as I speak, and that uh, we would all hear from you, whether it be encouragement or challenge, whatever we uh, need to hear from you, God, we are listening. And so we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So for those of you who don't know me, as uh, Ryan mentioned, my name's Tim Ophis. I'm the church planter. The, the church planting resident, I guess, is the old term. I'm, I'm now the church planter. Um, that's the EBF is sending me to, to plant a church in the North Park neighborhood. We've got a good group uh, that's, that's going to be joining me. Um, and uh, we're just really excited about what, what God has in store there. Um, EBF has planted three other churches since 2010, and they've all been near universities. Um, as many of you know, th- this is such an important time in a person's life when, when they're in college, uh, wrestling with so many different ideas, and it's a time when many people really start to follow the Lord seriously, and we want to be there and encourage students to do that. Um, I'm excited about the vi- that vision because it relates a little bit to my own story, um, and, and some of you may have, have heard this at the members meeting a little while back, but in high school, I, I found my identity uh, in, in accomplishments and in, in trying to be liked by other people. This is where I derived my worth. So I, I, was, I, I pursued all sorts of different things. Like I was student council president. Even though student council was basically a decorating club and I didn't like that, but I wanted the title. Um, I was in musicals and plays, variety shows. I even won a man pageant. I was Mr. Pirate 2004. Yeah, I'm still wearing the sash. Um, but, you know, I, I, I tried to, to know everyone I could. I wanted to be liked by everyone that I uh, could get to like me. I, I felt that I mattered because of these things. And then I graduated high school. And I went to a commuter college, a college uh, called Harper in Palatine, William Rainey Harper College. And uh, everything that I was basing my identity on was taken away. Because no one knew me there. And I had no accomplishments among those that I did know, and my school didn't impress anyone. People were like, oh, Harper, okay, what, what happened? <laughs> you showed so much promise. Um, so all of this made for a pretty dark and depressing couple of years, but God used that time to make me a disciple, like a genuine follower of him. I moved from kind of like a, a, a Santa discipleship, you know, like, like the way that kids believe in Santa, like, I think Jesus is real, and that's that's that, you know, to, to actually like making him my Lord and my King, which most kids do not do of Santa. That would be a little weird. Um, so uh, I, I began to, to find my identity in Jesus and who Jesus said that I was. And uh, it, was, it was through the church that those things were cultivated. So, so we're really excited in North Park. There are two universities, North Park and Northeastern, and they're, they're largely commuter schools. So that brings with it certain challenges, but uh, we're really excited about uh, the potential for... Uh, gospel transformation in that place. So I want to give you just a quick update before we get rolling on some of the progress we've made. We've got a group of about 13, well, it's precisely 13 of us, uh, that meet on Sunday evenings. And uh, we also now have a, a, a very small group of North Park students that are going to be starting a discipleship group. So our church, we're hoping, will start several discipleship groups that will be a, a collection of kind of cell groups. And then uh, once we've got enough of those, we'll start gathering on Sunday mornings. But we're just really excited. We want uh, to equip people to know how to share their faith and to know what to do if anybody ever says, yeah, I want in, I want to follow Jesus. Um, so, so that's what we're doing. And I just want to encourage 
if any of you are like, boy, that sounds kind of interesting, humor me and talk to me after the service. We're looking for more people to join us who, who want people to know about Jesus. There's, there's plenty of good churches in the city already, but there's not enough good churches if we want to reach people who are lost. And that's, that's why we're planting. We, we want people to know about Jesus. So uh, we will help you to make disciples. You will become a fisher of men if you join us. So uh, find me after the service and we could talk more about that. All right, let's, let's dig in. We're going to look at Psalm 103 today. So it's still Thanksgiving weekend, even though the, the second half of this service, we're going to be singing Christmas songs. It is still Thanksgiving weekend, and we're going to look at a great list of some things to be thankful for in Psalm 103, specifically five benefits that God provides his people. But before we get there, um, we're going to spend some time addressing uh, the bigger question that the psalm is addressing. Um, so let, let's, let's first read the, the first five verses of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Amen. So uh, this psalm starts with this call to bless the Lord or praise the Lord. Uh, This has often been kind of a difficult call for me. Um, I grew up in a church very different from this one, and um, everyone in that church, when when we would sing, our hands were in our pockets. Uh, We were not a very praise-oriented church. Maybe like there was the, the random dude like who would clap along periodically during the closing hymn or something like that. Um, but, but that was it. And then later, I attended a church that had a praise band, and people were raising their hands and shouting and singing really loud, and I thought, man, these guys are weird. Like, how do you get here? Um, what leads to this kind of praise? So uh, here's, here's the thing. I would have said, I, I'm not a praise kind of a guy. That's just, that's not my bag. Uh, that's not who I am. But when it came to sports, I was definitely that kind of a guy. Um, let, me, let me take you down memory lane really quickly. When Mike Brown returned two picks for touchdowns in 2001, does anybody remember this against the Browns and the Niners? This is like the, the great moment of, of the Chicago Bears of my youth because they traditionally stink. Um, but you better believe I was raising my hands and shouting for joy. Um, the same when Devin Hester returned the opening kickoff of Super Bowl XLI, I was shouting. I was praising the Bears. Um, this year, not so much. Um, but uh, if, if I'm capable of praising the bears, very little glory to be had there. Um, clearly, I'm capable of praising the Lord, who is a, a lot more glorious than the bears. But what's the key? You know, how do I grow in my worship of God? Um, I, I know praising, raising your hands is just one particular way that you might show praise. I know that it's more than that. Uh, it's one way that praise manifests itself. But Psalm 103 answers this important question. How do we grow in our worship of God in bringing him praise? So we're going we're gonna to see David's approach to this, and then we're going to follow his example in the psalm, how he models it himself. Okay, so how do we grow in our worship of God? David starts Psalm 103 by saying, 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So right away we see this is an active pursuit. You can't just sit around and hope it's going to happen. It's, it's something that he's putting all of his, his energy into. Um, it, he, he incorporates his whole being. He says, all that is within me, praise his holy name. And I think this is the first key to, to growing in our worship of God. And I think it's what led to my worship of the bears. Because they had captured my imagination. I would listen to sports radio all the time. Uh, so they had my mind, my, my heart, my memories. Uh, it's what I talked about with people. And this just naturally leads to praise um, as, as you're investing your whole self in, in something. And so how much more will praise result as we invest our whole selves in the God of the universe? You know, this great God that, that we're praising this morning. Uh, I, I find that the things that I kind of sip on throughout the day, those are the things that I really invest in and the things that I praise. So the things that I reflect on, that I'm grabbing my phone and I'm, I'm reading about those things, I'm talking about them with other things. And uh, so, so I think that's a, a really significant key. And David is going to kind of show us one way to do this because he begins to pursue this in, in verse 2. He says... Uh, he tells himself to forget not all God's benefits. We're to call to mind all the benefits of our great God. So uh, have you ever had a job that had really great benefits? Um, I, I do right now here at EVF, great benefits. Uh, Job and I play pig, uh, the, the basketball game in the office. I, I really love it. It's great. Um, but, but there are some places that provide some, some really impressive benefits Netflix gives a year of paid maternity and paternity leave. Isn't that interesting? Airbnb gives 2000 bucks to travel. The World Wildlife Fund gives employees every other Friday off. I don't know how you get stuff done. Um, Twitter provides on-site acupuncture and improv classes. I think that that's, that's pending at EBF. Um, these are pretty amazing benefits, but... God's benefits absolutely blow these out of the water. I mean, the benefits of our God are truly, truly amazing. And so we're going to start just reflecting on these now. Um, he, he starts to reflect on these five benefits that God provides his people. And that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time on this morning. So first, God forgives all our iniquity. God forgives all our iniquity. And uh, this is in verse 3. I'm tempted to quickly move past this because we all know it, right? God has forgiven me of my sins. It's, it's a little bit of a tired truth, unfortunately. Um, and sometimes it just doesn't really hit me, you know? It's just not fresh. And I think there's two reasons why, for, for me, often this, this is not a very fresh truth. First is that there, there are times where I just don't take my sin very seriously. I don't think I'm that sinful. Uh, my sin doesn't grieve me. I, I, you know, I know that I'm a sinner vaguely, but maybe I'm not as cognizant of my actual sins, the way that I, I grieve God. Um, I, I don't feel that they're that bad or, or costly sometimes, and that's going to leave this benefit to feel kind of flat. And if you kind of find yourself in that place, whether now or, or ever, I think two really simple and great ways to uh, remedy that are, one, spend some time in the Word. Um, take, a, for example, 1 Corinthians 13, that love is, is patient, that great passage on love. If you were to look at just that, that passage, say, okay, love is patient. How am I 
impatient. It quickly, I, I, I get a long list of ways that I'm impatient. Or, you know, love is kind. It uh, doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It doesn't seek, uh, or, you know, it doesn't seek its own interests. This is just a great list of things for me to be like, wow, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm not as, as awesome as I like to think I am. So sometimes just looking at, at the word with that kind of lens on can be really, really helpful. And the other one is prayer. God would love to show us uh, our hearts on this and reveal where, uh, where we've been uh, far from him. He, he will answer that prayer if we go to him and ask him to, to reveal that to us. The second time that this truth doesn't really hit me is when I don't really believe that God could forgive me. Um, you know, you make a, a big mistake, even though you should know better. You know, I go to church, I should know better, right? Uh, how could God forgive me even now? Hear God in this psalm saying to you, in Jesus, you are forgiven. Jesus paid the penalty for your sin, and he's not interested in you bearing that penalty as well. You are forgiven in Jesus. There's things that I'm really ashamed of in my past, Uh, But God has forgiven me. It's done. Everything that I will do has been forgiven in Jesus. It is all forgiven. That is such good news. That is such good news, and we've got to cling to that. Um, If this were the only benefit that God gave us, this would be enough. This is massively good news. You are forgiven in Jesus. All right, the second benefit. God heals all your diseases. God heals all your diseases. This is in the the second half of verse 3. Now, when I first saw this verse, I was thinking, I don't know if that's really true, right? Does God really heal all my diseases? Uh, That's not been my experience as I've looked out at the world. Um, But there's a couple of points I want to make related to this. First, all healing is a gift of God. Whatever the means, however God does it, uh, whether through doc- doctors or miraculous healing, um, even if it's a, you, know, you had a simple cold, know that any time you have experienced healing, that was a gift of our good God. Any time you've experienced healing, uh, we, we can praise God for that. But we also know that healing does not always come in this life. It doesn't always come when we want it. While we know that God can heal us today, he doesn't always choose to heal us. But think about this. Even those who Jesus personally healed in the Gospels, all of them still died. Every single one of them. Healing in this life is always temporary, even if it does come. But a day lies ahead that disease is going to be no more. Someday all disease will be a thing of the past uh, for those in Christ, and ultimate healing will come. And so we can affirm fully that, yes, God heals all our diseases. God heals all our diseases. It's interesting to look at these first two benefits together because, uh, you know, you see that forgiveness is immediate. But healing, um, even when it does come, it's, it's not complete. Why is that, you know? Why, why does God provide the one immediately and not the other? And I think it's that God is most concerned with our relationship with him. Sin destroys that. And so he takes care of that right away. But suffering actually can deepen our relationship with God. So while full, full healing will come, um, we can kind of lean into these times where we don't experience it, experience it, knowing that they can bring us closer to Jesus. All right, the third benefit. God redeems your life from the pit. 
God redeems your life from the pit. That's in verse four. This is one of my, my favorite ones. God frees us from all that binds us. Our God is a God who sets prisoners free. That's the idea of re- redemption is setting free. Ultimately, this means that God is going to free us from death itself, um, which is awesome news because no matter who you are, death is gunning for you. And so that we have hope to escape even death itself, man, that is fantastic news. The pit of death cannot swallow us. But this redemption, this freedom also means that you can find freedom from whatever has you stuck today. You, uh, when you're in a pit, there's, there's no way out of the pit on your own. Um, you, you cannot get out of a pit. My mom used to tell me that my room was a pit. Um, and it was a disaster. Um, and, and I never did get out of that thing on my own. Um, I married Abby, and so I moved out. And my room remained a disgusting pit, and my mom eventually took care of it. Um, so, so thank, thank you, mom. Um, but when you're in a pit, you need someone else to pull you out. Jesus can pull you out of the thing that has you stuck today. Maybe there's a particular sin in your life that has you stuck. Or maybe you battle with depression or anxiety or fear, and you have no idea how to get out of that. You are in a pit. God can get you out. Um, Two problems that you can have, I think, when you're in a pit. One is you can say, I'm, I'm not really in a pit. I got this thing. I could climb out any time, you know, only on the weekends. I, I got this thing. But uh, when we do this, I think we're deceiving ourselves. You know, you, you got to call it what it is. If you're stuck, just say it. You know, I am stuck. I cannot get out. The other problem we could, we could have is that we say, no one could ever get me out of this pit. You know, I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. Uh, I, I know that I had some... Sp- sin struggles that I would say were were a pit. I could not get myself out of it. And I would hear people say, even pastors say, you know, we're we're always going to be sinful in this life. And I just resigned myself to the pit. I assumed that that meant I could never find freedom from this particular sin. And that is just not true. Um, don't, Don't settle for that. That is not true. God can give you freedom from the particular sin struggle or the particular thing that binds you even today. Don't be surprised if the way out of the pit is going to be some means. You know, often I, I had wanted God to just, just completely transform me, almost to beam me out of the pit, but often God throws you a rope. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's going to be some sort of means, some way that uh, he, he does this. So I, I was talking with Abby, my wife, about this, and we both found that a common means that God used uh, to bring us out of certain pits that we were in was to, to talk with someone who'd been there before. If you can talk with someone who's been in a pit and, and learn from them what they did, how they walked to find freedom, man, that's going to be so helpful. Um, if you're struggling with something like lust, the, the best person to walk with is not someone else who's, who's in the pit with you, you know, and you're just doing circles in the middle of this pit. Like, find somebody who's gotten out of it. Same thing with anxiety or depression or fear. Find somebody who's overcome that. Um, and there are people in this church who have. Um, Talk to, to Pastor Jason or, or Pastor John or, or somebody and, and see if, if those guys can connect you to somebody who's found freedom from something that you're struggling with. We're, we're all going to be there. We've, we've all experienced that. But God can get you out of the pit that you're stuck in. Fourth, God crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. 
That's in verse 4. God crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Let's think for a moment about this image, because when I first heard it, I didn't really get it. Um, So when someone is crowned, the crown is the symbol of their new identity. So a person is crowned, and they become a king. This is their new identity. So in this verse, we learn that God has given us a new identity. For a king, this new identity is marked in part by what they're crowned with, right? The, The crown has precious metal. It's saying something about how important this king is. Um, and, and we know that the thing that we have been crowned with is God's steadfast love and mercy. These things, the love and the mercy of God, mark our new identity. Isn't that awesome? Uh, this, is, this is what makes us who we are as followers of Jesus. This is what gives us our status, the love and the mercy of God. So God hasn't just pulled you out of a pit to leave you like on a plane, he elevates you to a new status thanks to his love and his mercy. I mentioned earlier that I have been tempted to build my status on other things. You know, so I I tried to build my status on my accomplishments, um, what other people thought of me, and ultimately that's a, a terrible place to ground your identity because those things change. God's love and his mercy for you do not change. That is sure footing if you're looking for something to to hang your identity on. And I will say this is really difficult. This is a hard pull. We want to find our identity in something else. We want to be super talented or we want to be, I don't know, super attractive or something like that. But all of those things are going to fade away. Build your identity on this. This, I think, it, it just takes a lot of practice. I still struggle with this. I still try and build my identity on other things. Uh, on what, what other people say is, is true of me, but I want this to be uh, what I build my identity on because I would not experience jealousy of another person. Um, I wouldn't experience competition if I could really build my identity on God's love and his mercy. Um, I wouldn't have times of self-loathing, you know, if, if it's God's work that I build my identity on. Man, this is good news. This is a great gift that God gives his people. And if you're not experiencing it now, you can you can. All right, the fifth and the final one is that God satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And that's in verse five. So this benefit comes with a result. Um, God satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We're first going to focus on the benefit that God satisfies you with good. So it's a universal experience. Everyone in this room has hungered. Okay, we hunger, obviously, for food, but we hunger for a lot more than that. We've got a lot of desires um, beyond just food. We desire to feel good. We desire to be great, to be known, to be loved. We desire to have meaning and purpose. And our culture right now has embraced the idea that you should get everything that you hunger for. Um, most in our culture would say, you know, I have a right to be satisfied, whatever my hunger may be. And I really, I get that impulse. I hate to be hungry. If I miss a meal, I'm irritated. You know, I hate to be hungry. I, I want to be satisfied. And so I really, really sympathize with, with our, our culture in that. But here's where God's way is superior. God satisfies with good. God satisfies with good. It is right to want to be satisfied, but satisfying your hunger in ways that are unhealthy 
will ultimately not be satisfying. Uh, so let me give you an example. Do you remember those Snickers commercials that would say, satisfy your hunger with a Snickers? This is still, I think, the slogan, maybe, I don't know. I, I'm not with it. But um, it is true that a Snickers bar can satisfy your hunger, right? Uh, for food, to a certain degree. But if you only eat Snickers bars, you are disgusting. I'm just going to tell that to you. Um, our culture right now encourages us, like, you're hungry. Grab a Snickers, right? You're, just go and eat. But God says, you want a Snickers, and I have steak. Or if you're a vegetarian, I have pasta and salad and stuff. Um, God does want you to be satisfied, but he wants to satisfy you with good. So there's a number of desires and hungers that I have that God in his word says, that's not good for you. That's a Snickers bar. And the good news is that God doesn't leave us hungry, but he does satisfy us with goods. Good. Um, the cravings that we have, God can meet. God, God wants you to be loved. And so he sent Jesus. And this is a real relationship. I, I, I know some of you are probably like, that is just the most irritating thing you could have possibly said. You know, that God, God loves me. I've heard that before, that God can satisfy me. It is true. You know, it is true. But here's the, the other piece to that puzzle. Uh, when you look way back at creation, when, uh, when God creates man, for, well, even before that, he says, you know, all the things that he's created are good. And then there's this really striking moment when God says something was not good and that it was man was alone. And so God, isn't that interesting? God and man, they are completely tight, right? They have an unbroken relationship and yet something is not good because we are meant for relationship with other people too. Um, we, we are meant for, for more than just uh, our, our relationship with God, but we're meant to have meaningful relationships with other people. And right now, it, it, it seems that our culture says that the, the, the peak of a relationship, a human relationship, is, is sexual intimacy. And that's the only way that you can really be satisfied, that you can really have a relationship with someone that's meaningful. And that is just not true. It's just not true. God, in your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with others, you can be satisfied. You can experience the kind of love that God hoped for people. Because, I mean, look at Jesus. Jesus was celibate. He lived the perfect human life. And, and uh, no one would say, man, Jesus was just unsatisfied in this life. You know, he, he didn't get enough out of it. It is true that if you desire to be loved, Jesus and those that he's put around us are enough. It, it is enough. Also, if you want to be great, God does not say it's wrong to be great, but he redefines what it looks like. He says greatness is service. Um, he, he wants you to have purpose. You know, he's given us a commission to make disciples, to join him on his mission. He wants you to be known, and he invites you into a worldwide community of people who are following him. A, a true family of brothers and sisters. He wants you to feel good, but he knows that pleasure is fleeting, and he offers you true joy, a fruit of the Spirit of Jesus. We know that ultimately, what is written in Revelation 7 is true for us, that one day we're not going to hunger and thirst anymore. Uh, we're going to be fully satisfied in Jesus. But until then, we do experience a foretaste of that. So let's now look at a result of this, this benefit. Uh, God satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. 
Um, this is such a, a beautiful result of the satisfaction that God brings. Um, if we're willing to let God satisfy us with good, to follow Jesus, um, when, when Jesus is your Savior and, his Lord, and, and your Lord, uh, he promises eternal life. So I don't care, the, the oldest person in here, you have more ahead of you than you do behind you in Jesus. Jesus renews your youth because you have the hope of eternal life in him. Not only that, but I do think even in this present day, when you live Jesus' way and you let him satisfy your desires with good, often that just leads to longevity. Um, it's, it's not a guarantee, but often living the opposite way can, can really drain your youth quite quickly. But uh, I think the, the greatest focus for me is, is this picture of eternal life, that no matter how much is behind me, that much more is ahead of me in Jesus. So the image that David uses is that of the eagle. These are amazing creatures. My, my family goes up north to uh, the, the north woods of Wisconsin every year, and uh, they've got bald eagles up there, really majestic creatures. But my favorite animal growing up was the loon. I thought the loon was so cool. It's this weird bird that, um, it's called the loon because it is clumsy on land, like it looks ridiculous when it's walking. Uh, the other thing about the loon, when it tries to take off, it needs to take literally like an entire lake's worth of space just to get up into the air. And it is flapping so hard, it can never soar. It has to just keep continually flapping, does several loops around the lake, and then it can actually take off. Um, it is not a very majestic creature. In Christ, we are not loons. In Christ, we are like the eagle. Our youth is renewed like the eagle's. The eagle is a picture of strength, of power. You know, they seem tireless, effortless. They soar on the wind. Uh, Takeoff is easy for them. That's you in Christ. Your youth is renewed like the eagle's. That is the kind of re rejuvenation that is found in Jesus. The satisfaction that God brings gives strength. It renews your youth. Uh, Jesus keeps you young, presently and into eternity. So, we've looked at these five benefits, asking this question of how, how do we grow as worshipers of Jesus? What leads to praise? And we've seen that it's investing our whole selves in the matter and remembering who our God is and all that he's done for us. Um, this is what scripture's modeled for us. Um, and, and I want to say for those of you who are walking with Jesus, if he's your Savior and your Lord, these benefits that we've called to mind today are yours. They are yours in Jesus. They are already yours. And if you feel like um, you're not experiencing some of these uh, today, there's good news that you can experience more grace that Jesus has for you. If you've not tasted one of these benefits yet, they are yours in, in, uh, in Christ. Ask God to help you to experience these benefits in a fresh way. And remember these things, you know, praise our great God in light of them. Call them to mind this week as you go back to school or work or wherever you find yourself. Uh, call these benefits to mind and praise our great God for them. And if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, if Jesus is not your Savior or your Lord, um, you know, you're, you're still on the fence or maybe you're here in church, but you know that you're, you're not following Jesus. Uh, Jesus is, has, has no real say in your life um, all that it takes for these benefits to be yours is to turn from the way that you're walking now and follow Jesus instead. And there will be a pull not to do that. There will be a pull to tune me out 
and to just say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick on the path that I'm on. But Jesus is calling you to a, 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 a more beautiful and abundant life in him. Um, if you'll only turn from the, the ways that you're walking now and, and walk in his ways instead. Um, you can experience these benefits that God forgives your iniquity. He heals your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And he satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Uh, I'm going to close now in a word of prayer and then we're going to worship our great God together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the truth uh, that is in your word that we've heard from you this morning. Um, Lord, we want to uh, experience these benefits. We want to, to taste them more deeply. We want these to, to be the things that we're reflecting on and um, just thinking on this week. And I pray, God, that you would call them to mind for us, um, that we would continue to remember all that you've done in Jesus God, I pray that that would lead us to be a people that praises you um, more deeply and more fully. And I pray too, God, that if there's anyone in here that's not tasting one of these benefits or all of these benefits, God, would you lead them to experience that more deeply? Would you lead them to taste these benefits? And if someone is not walking with you today, Lord, would they uh, turn to you now? Would you, would you tug on them and lead them to uh, walk with you? to give you their, their whole lives and their whole selves. Lord, I pray that even now some would do that. God, thank you again for these great truths and for your love for us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.